0: Oh my god, I'm on the Ragged Mountain, or sorry, I'm at the Ragged Island WMA. I saw that this is one of the spots that the crew, the Virginia Paranormal investigators went to. There were two different trails to pick from, and I just went down one of them. And I, uh, the trail, the gravel road, you go by a lot of uh, marshy um, cattails and whatnot, and, uh, I have not had a ghost encounter in years now, and I just came around this corner, and, uh, I felt it. I just got, it's un, uh, it is unmistakable feeling. I just get hit by a wall of energy, um, all my hair stood up on my, uh, arms and my legs, and it's, like, feels like pressure, And I'm basically at this little bush, which I actually saw them in their video, uh, talking about how they felt this energy not to pass this bush. So I just kind of stopped here, and I'm under these pine trees, some big dead snags. The road is really not all that far away. You can see it. But um, that was an intense feeling coming around this corner, and I kind of just said out loud, is it okay if I keep walking? And um, everything feels okay right now. So I'm going to walk a few feet further. From when I watched their video, their paranormal video, there was someone who came down this path and committed suicide, and um, there was someone else who was murdered over here. Um, I'll find out more about that. Definitely kind of a shady area. I hope I'm being respectful to the spirits. I don't even really know what ghosts are. I just know I've had a lot of ghost experiences. And, um that was one of them. And I'm about to uh, interview Linda in two hours. So that was a hell of a way to kick off this podcast. This is Our Numinous Nature, and I'm your host, Philippe. We'll be hearing the profound stories of people with a deep connection to the natural world, From herbalists to hunters, wildlife rehabilitators to trappers, artists to homesteaders, the list goes on. My hope is to thread a needle that weaves together the many nature-related passions through stories of reverence. In nature, I've found meaning, a richness for life that grows with each new day. Maybe you feel the same, or maybe you long to. What you just heard was quite uncanny that as I'm heading to go speak with a paranormal investigator, I, uh, purposely wanted to kill some time while I was in the area and went to one of the spots that they've done an investigation at, and they posted a YouTube video about, and, um, basically I felt the same thing that I felt at the other numinous heightened, um, places that I've had ghost experiences, um, which is basically where everything is completely normal. And then it's as if you hit a force field, just like a wall of energy where you immediately feel it on your body. At least I'm speaking for myself. I immediately feel it all over my body, the pressure, like a wall pushing me back or pushing on me. And then usually my hair stand and intense emotion comes over me. And, you know, I uh, I had it there, visiting at a ragged island. Um, a much less intense experience than what I've felt in other places. Um, back in my early 20s, visiting the catacombs in Paris, I had a very intense, both me and my sister, at the exact same time as you enter the crypt, uh, surrounded by thousands and thousands of skulls. There's a sign um, above the crypt as you enter it. You've, this is 15 minutes down very unlit um, hallways down underneath the streets of Paris. And after 15 minutes of walking down these narrow halls, that some areas, the lights have burned out and you move through pools of darkness until finally you come upon this little vestibule vestibule before, I think that's the right word, antechamber, before you enter where the actual bones are. And at, before you walk through that door, there's a sign, um, you know, an, an old sign, I'm assuming hundreds of years old, and chiseled in it, it says, ici est empire de la mort, which means here is the empire of death. And as my sister and I walked through that doorway, we both were slammed with what that, at the time was my first ghost experience. We were slammed by whatever it is, ghost energy. I felt it again in the Manassas battlefields in Virginia with my sister. I told that story at some point on the podcast, And again, I felt it with a group of people, about five people at Mark Twain's house in Connecticut at night. I, uh, did a film project there and, um, we did a whole night of filming, but, um, before that we did a location scout with, um, obviously a steward for the museum, Mark Twain house museum, but also it was me, my film producer, and he's not at all into ghosts and, um, a lighting guy and a grip. And um, all of us at the exact same time suddenly felt that energy. And my producer had never uh, had any kind of ghost experience. And he was the first one, he he doesn't even believe in that stuff, but he was the first one to yell out, what is that? What is that? What is that? So today is an exploration of ghosts and beyond. And if you believe in ghosts, if you don't believe in ghosts, uh, if you've had weird experiences, Regardless, this we are in the Halloween spirit, and this episode is unreal. And, um, so this is the third. So I um, sectioned off four episodes as we approached Halloween. Um, the first one was back when we were going through the Hudson River Valley, and I interviewed... I interviewed Jonathan Cruck, who is a master storyteller, a folklorist in the Hudson River Valley. And he talked all about the history and lore of the area. And he told some incredible history about the legend of Sleepy Hollow. If you haven't listened to that one, that one was one of my favorites, such an awesome guest. And the guests just keep being incredible. After that, I did um, a West Virginia Cryptid episode with Les Odell. Um, That one really was moving to me it really was, uh, I thought about it for days and days and Les and I have texted back and forth a lot since. And today's guest is a paranormal investigator in Hampton, Virginia on the Chesapeake Bay by the name of Linda Casita. And she is part of the Virginia Paranormal Investigations, which is a team down there. It's her her boyfriend and some other um, some other folks. You'll hear about that on the podcast. And then there's one more opportunity before Halloween. So I don't know who that's going to be, but I'm reaching out to different people. Cross your fingers that we get a guest as incredible as these three. And and truly, these past three episodes, this one today, um, have been incredible. And something that um, really has stood out to me that I did not expect was... Um, for an episode about cryptids with Les, and today one about ghosts and the paranormal, and even the demonic, I didn't expect these guests to have a healing quality. That really has blown me away. If you've listened to the podcast a long time, you know we've had a handful of like herbalists on. And I absolutely love those. I love hearing about how people can heal themselves or heal their friends or community with plants, and even on healing spiritual the spiritual um, side, I love it. But I did not expect that going into the past two episodes, this one and the one with Les. I didn't expect to hear Les talk about how people reach out to him on Facebook to tell their strange encounters and how it has a therapeutic effect. They need to get these strange experiences off their shoulders. And, And you're gonna hear today, in a similar fashion, Linda and her team are, people are reaching out to them. And there's a healing component. People are at a loss. Strange things are happening. Terrifying things are happening. And they need, they're seeking help. They're they're seeking relief. And Linda and her boyfriend being um, Christian have an an incredibly interesting um, perspective and approach to paranormal investigation. I mean, that's like what I found so fascinating about today's episode. I love hearing about um, different, perspectives on spiritual topics. I, you know, for me personally, I really have nothing but questions at this phase in my life. And so I love hearing just totally where different people come from and hearing the Christian side of ghosts and the demonic. Man, really powerful stuff and really wild. I mean, I think this might be one of the craziest conversations I've ever had. Um, Now, The demonic, if that seems like too outrageous to you and it doesn't and feels like impossible and superstitious or outdated, um, I think you could still listen to this conversation and see and, and think of these stories where the demonic has come up in people and in homes and you can see it through a psychological lens. I mean, clearly people battle demons, whether that's real or psychological, that's obvious. We all know how people have the demons of trauma and demons of PTSD. You know, even in the last episode with Les, he spoke about his father's um, experiences in Vietnam and how those haunted him. And it seemed to actually manifest in real hauntings. And on the topic of demons, Linda tells one story She told an experience how there was an unbelievable amount of hauntings happening in this one location after a a grisly crime, and how the hauntings came home with her. And that story is one of the most, I mean, literally, it is so terrifying. And Linda is so good at speaking, and she's so good at talking about this stuff that I hope that she ends up writing books or having a podcast or maybe even a TV show, though you'll even hear in the very beginning of conversation that a lot of these TV shows that turn these interesting topics into corniness are fake. And they are ruining, to me, these TV shows by placating towards being silly and fake, they're they're ruining these topics, which are deeply profound. They're making these topics silly or unbelievable when um, clearly things are happening to people. Now, here's something I've been thinking about because this is a very dark episode and so was the last one and um that's just also kind of who i am i'm interested in the dark in many ways even though i'm very scared of it and um i just wanted to read a quote from carl jung i find this very fascinating um and i think it even even though everything i've been talking about is is pretty um paranormal and spiritual Um, I think you can even apply this quote to like the likes of, if you listen to the Lynn Faust episode, one of the best ones. Um, She is a lightning bug expert. And um, when we met her, she's become something of a friend. We text a lot. And um, when we met her, she told us some really um, brutal and um, upsetting stories about her and her church and how they try to help out um, kids in some of these extremely poor communities in Tennessee. And um, kids that live in squalor and live in filth and um, their parents are drug addicted and um, even prostitutes. And these kids really have no hope. And um, I kind of saw that Lynn's, um, I connected that Lynn's Trying to help these kids and finding the light in these children kind of connects to her um, natural her love of nature in pursuing the lightning bugs, finding the tiny light in the darkness. And uh, I just really wanted to read this quote um, from Jung because you know one could say why why harp on all these on all this darkness? Why harp? Uh, why pursue and and listen to and take in these kind of dark ideas and dark stories? And this quote, I I think, really sums it up. This is from The Philosophical Tree, Alchemical Studies, written in 1945 by Carl Jung. Filling the conscious mind with ideal conceptions is a characteristic of Western theosophy, but not the confrontation with the shadow in the world of darkness. One does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. The latter procedure, however, is disagreeable and therefore not popular. And that's exactly how I feel both about Les and Linda today in their pursuit of the paranormal, going into some of the darkest corners of uh, mystery, that both of them are incredibly grounded and in a way very wise and I so thoroughly loved talking to both of them. And before getting in the episodes, if you want to look more into Linda and her team, you can visit virginiaparanormalinvestigations.com. You can check them out on Instagram at virginia paranormal and Linda personally at paranormal underscore Linda. All right, let's head into the Halloween spirit. I guarantee you're gonna be spooked by this one.
1: So we are about thirty minutes south of where I grew up in a town called Pocosin, and uh, Pocosin is a Native American word means big water, mm. and because there is a great deal of water out here. We have a lot of marshlands, and it is uh, very much a waterman's community. It's the only place I've ever seen where at 4 o'clock in the morning you have this abundance of people driving around on the road going to the water, basically, to do their, to do their jobs. And it's a little freaky because doing what we do, we're usually not getting home until after 4 o'clock in the morning. So um, cute little town, um, very much family-oriented, and
0: I love it. Now, what you're doing is way cooler than the memory that just that evoked, which is me being like in my early 20s in New York City, partying until seven <laughs> in the morning, yeah. and I'm on the train like obliterated <laughs> watching everyone in their watching suits going everybody. to work. Yep. And it's kind of you're the embarrassing like ne'er-do-well <laughs> in the yeah. corner. Okay, so I'm so excited for this. Yeah. Um, basically, we've been on a little stint for Halloween. Oh. And I did. Um, I interviewed a storyteller up in the Hudson River Valley. Oh, nice. And he talked all about the legend of Sleepy Hollow because we were like oh, right there. Yeah. So awesome. Love that story. Then I was in West Virginia talking to a guy whose passion is cryptids and he goes around interviewing Ooh. like rural people about their cryptid stories. Oh. And now here we are with you, yes. a member of the Virginia Paranormal. Investigators—is that the name? Virginia Paranormal Investigations. Investigations—that's yes. your team. Yes, it's it's you, your
1: partner. Uh huh. Yeah, me and my boyfriend. Um, my boyfriend is Jeff. He's the director of the group, mm-hmm. and um, we have other people kind of in and out right now. Uh, we have a, a couple, a young couple uh, named Will and Emily. And we love them to death. We really, despite the age difference between Mm. the two couples, uh, we really get along very well. But a lot of people will come and try to do the investigation side of it, decide that it's not quite like what they see on Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters, and they get a little bit bored with it. So mm. they kind of drop off. So Are we have those two a, TV shows? Yes. Yeah, mm. they're two of the major TV shows that people watch that have the paranormal investigations of, of multiple haunted
0: locations. So I interviewed a fossil hunter. So I'd, I just got wrapped up this summer with doing a whole series on the Chesapeake Bay. Oh, yeah. And um, I kept – I always love what we're going to talk about today, but that wasn't the focus. But it turned out that everyone I interviewed – was into paranormal stuff so yes. i interviewed this awesome guy about um fossil hunting in calvert cliffs maryland on the bay oh. and it turns out he had done years of paranormal investigation with his wife and he wow. said he actually got onto a show but very quickly they were like disenchanted by how like corny and fake it is yes. like super fake they yes. want them to fake all the stuff and i'm assuming how what you're just bringing up that's not what you guys are into. Not at all. No, as a matter of
1: fact, we are. Uh, we know about how fake the, the TV shows are. Mm. And uh, Jeff has had the opportunity to try out four ghost hunters. They took him out to L.A., mm. uh, put him up in a hotel, and he was one of the 12 finalists for mm. the recent show. Um, it was one of those shows that started many years ago and kind of um, fell fell off for some reason. I'm not exactly sure what the reason was, but they kind of revived it a Mm. couple of years ago. So he had that opportunity and he said part of the tryout was a sort of a a mock investigation that they did Mm. at an Adobe Hacienda out there that was supposedly very haunted. But he said that all of the equipment that they used was all rigged and he could, you know, buttons on things to make them go off. did they
0: tell them that or did he realize that?
1: He realized that. They just gave him the equipment and I guess he could tell by looking at it that something was a little bit different, a little bit off about it, but real paranormal investigation is actually quite boring.
0: Sure. And
1: it's more of a, a science and it's one of those things you have to be very patient about because when, on the rare occasion when something does happen, mm. it's amazing. Mm. But you may wait six months before you actually see anything or before you experience anything that you think is truly paranormal. Mm. So, a great majority of what we do is going to people's houses and sort of doing what they call debunking. It's basically listening to what the client is saying mm. that they're experiencing and then trying to find more logical or more natural explanations for it mm. other than the paranormal. Does and that happen of the time, quite often? Oh, yeah. I'd say 90% of the time, we can figure out what it is, whether it's, you know. Yeah, let's hear an example. Well, a good example is people smell strange things in their homes. Mm. And they'll say, well, we think we have a demon. You know, I'm Mm. smelling this terrible smell. Mm. And it's coming up through um, the utility room, or coming out through the vents. Mm. And People don't realize that dead animals mm. can <laughs> can sometimes get into the vents, a dead or dog rat. right, or you might get um, a, some sort of just the way that your plumbing is configured. The drain pipes that come out of your washing machine, mm. if they're configured the wrong way, you may have buildup down inside there mm. that is starting to stink. Rock. And then yes, and then mm. you have this kind of vacuum effect that pulls that smell up, and it really does smell like. What they describe a demon smelling as is I didn't sulfur. Know. You know, I not know what <laughs> a Supposedly, they smell like sulfur, like, you know, I guess the pit of hell or something.
0: You're bringing up, you're smelling. immediately bringing up so many interesting things I want to talk about. Um, so, when you're starting to talk about Jeff, is that who it was? Yes. With the, um, go, uh, trying out for that show, you're talking yeah. about the equipment. And this is right. something I've always wanted to know about. So, I've told you before, I've talked about it on the podcast, I've had a handful of ghost experiences, but I've never gone like ghost hunter like you guys. Yes. But what is the equipment that you see? Forget even what we see on TV, because we're just going to assume that is a category unto itself that's more entertainment than what people like you are doing what is the equipment that you guys are using? These EVP things, like what is that? And what is it, what are you trying to do? And where do you even get that stuff? (laughs) Um, It's actually the same equipment that you would
1: see on TV that's used on these shows. It's just that ours is not necessarily rigged. Mm. Now, what we like to do... Right, not rigged. Mm -hmm. Not rigged to to give you false positives. Mm. And what we use is a variety of equipment. We're sort of of the mindset that the simpler, the better. Mm. Um, The more rudimentary, the better. Oftentimes, we like to go out in the field with something as simple as a digital voice recorder, a notepad, and a digital camera. Mm. And we uh, we like to do that because sometimes if you have too much equipment and all these bells and whistles and everything going crazy all the time, and you're trying to monitor all of this equipment, a ghost could walk right past you and you would Mm. never even see it. Mm. So, we, we try to stay a little more simple than some of the other groups out there. Other groups, they hmm. pour hundreds and hundreds of dollars into this very expensive equipment. There are things like the digital voice recorder that are not necessarily made for the paranormal field.
0: That's just a normal voice recorder?
1: Yes, just okay. a normal voice recorder, yeah. Okay. Um, and we also have an EMF detector. And... What Basically, is that? that's um, electromagnetic fields. Is what it's going to detect. What is that? That is a natural energy that's put off by certain things like appliances. Okay, it's put off by pretty much everything in nature. Even oh, humans okay. give off just a slight amount of it, not enough to be detectable
0: by these these. So measuring you could put devices. it up to like a cell phone, and it would it goes nuts. Okay, yes. interesting. Yeah. And so this can... is a normal tool that's used for scientific purposes, right? And right. And you guys are applying this for trying to pick up. More mysterious. Yes,
1: because unfortunately, mm. everything we do is based on theory. So mm-hmm. there's been theories that, um, that ghosts actually feed off of high electromagnetic fields in people's what? homes, that they can use this to kind of manifest. There's also um, not a lot of studies have been done on this, but supposedly high EMF fields, if you're exposed to them for a great deal of time, then you can develop cancer. And you Mm. can get – it affects the way you think. It makes Mm. you scared for no reason in your home. Um, You get a little bit paranoid, a little Mm. bit freaked out. So when we go, we like to try to measure the electromagnetic fields to make sure that it's not extra high, more than it should be, in a home because that
0: kind of will lead us in one direction or another often. So you're saying that just the energy coming off of appliances – and other things can be so high that they can make people have dark, paranoid...
1: Yes, kind of a little bit envisioned. delusional. Yes, What the yes. hell? Yes, I know. Oh, wow. That's why they say never live under the power lines or never stand really close to the microwave while it's running. Because microwaves – Yes. And we have been to houses before where they lived literally underneath the power lines. And, and this place was nuts. I mean, you, they're seeing shadow figures and they're all, oh. you know, having these bad illnesses and things that are just not really explained by normal medical reasons and so you know you're like hey you gotta get the hell out of this house you know you gotta move. God life is so
0: even before we even dive into ghosts and whatever the hell that is it's like life is so unbelievably like complex mysterious like how would you know that you know just like things that I've heard regarding health about like parasites and the effects parasites can have on on your thoughts Yeah, it's just like my God.
1: I know. I know. And it's, it's normal electrical work in people's homes. We go into old homes and sometimes it's not grounded properly. And if it's not grounded properly, you can have certain fixtures, certain light fixtures that give up a very high EMF. Hmm. And then it just happens to correlate with the room where the activity is being experienced in Mm. the house. So, that kind of tells you, okay, maybe this has something to do Mm. with the EMFs. Like I say, we're not real sure which way it works, whether it's the spirit that's there feeding off of it or whether it's the person's mind that's creating these spirits Mm. by themselves because of the high EMFs.
0: Okay. I think we're just going to keep flying through. Everything you're bringing up is making me think of other things I've written down as notes. It's like... um, Well, I guess my question is, how do you know, maybe we got to talk about what ghosts are first from your point of view, but the question that's coming up right now is, like, (sighs) how do you know if uh, these ghost experiences are in the place or land or they, like, come out of a person? You don't. Like, are, are they, you know, so... I don't think I'm going to be able to get him on the podcast. But what I hope I I would pray is that I start I listen to this podcast or yeah podcast with this um, Catholic exorcist oh. who's done like hundreds of exorcisms. Yes, and I could barely li- I didn't even finish the interview because it was creeping me out, freaking too much, out, freaking yeah? me <laughs> out hard. And he basically, you know the woman interviewing him asked him how do you know the difference between mental illness and a demonic possession oh my god so i guess oh yeah so uh, i guess before we get into that kind of a thing hopefully we can get back to that Mm -hmm. what do you what do you personally or your group or you know what do you guys think ghosts are we have no
1: idea. That's awesome. And the reason is because the more you do this, the more
0: questions arise. is exactly what the cryptid guy said too. Yes. And then I love that because, again, um, the cryptid stuff, the entertainment world has really made that to me an incredibly cheesy topic. Right. And um, my interview with this guy, I, it was an incredible interview. And I was profoundly moved by it. But um, the same thing. He's like, you know, you know, oh. When you see it on TV, you have some like dork saying that they know that there's three thousand Bigfoots in America. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Yes. So I absolutely love like the last guy's approach and what you guys are saying. I don't know. And that's how I feel in my ghost experiences. I have no idea what this is. Right. But there's obviously something happening that I can't ignore.
1: Exactly. Yes. And we've considered the fact that it may be something that is just a projection of the mind. Mm. We have had cases that have made us believe that. Mm. And other cases, it makes you kind of scratch your head and walk away thinking, you know, I just don't know what that was. Um, Mm. Everybody likes to be an expert in this field, and everybody Mm. likes to say, oh, well, this is this and this is that. But one of the most widely accepted, I guess, beliefs is that ghosts are actually what is left behind from a human spirit. It's a mm. human spirit that does not want to move on to the light or wherever wherever you believe it goes after death. It just kind of stays on earth and mulls around a little bit. Right. So that's and like the
0: traditional traditional view, ghost. That it's a the deceased stuck. Right.
1: Yes. Now there are other spirits that that supposedly exist in the world. And these are things that are not necessarily human, have never been human. Uh, There are spirits supposedly of, you know, like fairies and gnomes and these things that are sort of an interdimensional uh, creature.
0: And See, that to me, I would have never in a million years even thought about or taken seriously except for the fact that because of this podcast, I've interviewed these herbalist women and some of them are my good friends, and yeah. they just say, they yeah, they see gnomes in the yard. Yeah, and they believe that they so exist. So I'm like, okay. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay and, and I can say I'm, I'm probably about 80% Irish, so mm. if anybody's going to believe in the gnomes <laughs> and fairies and stuff, it's going to be me. But we try to keep a very open mind about these things. Um, we're also, because uh, we tend to lean towards the Christian belief and understanding of things, which is a rare thing for paranormal investigators, we kind of— Keep an open mind about the idea that all of these things are demons, mm. and that they're simply trying to disguise themselves as something else.
0: That's what this
1: Catholic exorcist
0: yes. said. Yeah. and that scared the shit out of me. I know. He's talking is scary. about messing with. He m- said that one of the women who came to him to have an exorcism was messing with the Ouija boards. Mm-hmm. Was thinking for years she was speaking to a dead relative, right. and then years later. She realized that's not what she was not speaking about. Not her relative. That yeah. scares the living shit out of me. Yes, because I have had that that feeling very strongly while watching some documentaries about mediums.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: just following what my feelings were. Right. I, you know, I could watch one medium where it felt very real and yes. honest, and then there was another one that the darkness that I felt coming off this and I was like I don't believe this woman would go into little voices oh. and she would say here comes this relative here comes this relative yeah. and I was like this is not right this is like there's something evil going on right. and it's like yes. scary, and it's making me have this like like um, like I mean the feelings that were coming up in me were very like quite dark like this person right. needs to be like yeah this is Away. a bad <laughs> this is evil Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. So, you just brought up something that I found so incredibly interesting, which is that you guys are Christian, right? And you even on your website it says when you do inve- people call you guys up mm-hmm. and they ask you to come do an investigation, mm-hmm. and that if they if they give you a, a donation, then you guys y- usually will give that to your church, right? And so. That this is to me is absolutely fascinating. So, how does the ghost idea you already started talking about it mm-hmm. play into Christianity? Like, how, how do you guys? You're, you just started talking about it, right? So, what? it's all
1: kind of interpretations of the Bible. Uh, mm. The Bible tells you that you should not um, communicate or seek I forget the word that they use but um, you know, you shouldn't communicate with the dead to try to seek answers. Now hmm. when they say that our interpretation of that is not to go to mediums, not to go to psychics, not to try to communicate through with the dead through somebody who's supposed to tell you the future. Mm. It, it and there are instances of ghosts in the Bible. Um mm. you know there are times when uh, the word ghost is set apart from the word demon or from when the word spirit and and you know this I think it was Saul, had the ghost of Solomon or the ghost of Saul in one point had come back from the dead. He had been summoned back um, to give answers to this one king who was uh, supposed to go into battle the following day with his sons. Mm. And so, there are instances like that where it mentions things like ghosts coming back from the dead, but, um, you know, it, it's kind of, a, um, kind of a, a touchy subject with people, I guess, mm. because a lot of people will say, "Oh, you're doing the devil's work. well, mm. if they actually spent a little bit of time with us, they and, say that to you guys yeah mm. they would actually understand what we do and realize that it's actually just the opposite.
0: So what are you doing?
1: Well, we are called up by people oftentimes we we some, some groups, let me let me go back. Some mm-hmm. groups do predominantly commercial investigations, historical places like mm. plantations, um, you know, even battleships that are docked somewhere. They do more of those commercial investigations, and they find that fascinating and fun. Um, we do more of the residential investigations. Mm. The reason being because we like helping people. Mm. And they call us up and they say, I have something going on in my house. It's scaring my kids. Mm. We don't know what to do about it. We have no idea what this is. So what we do is we go in and we talk to the people. We find out about the reports, what exact exactly they're experiencing. We try to give whatever it is a chance to communicate and to try to tell us exactly what it wants because we believe that If there are human spirits, they stay behind because they have unfinished business. Mm. And oftentimes, that unfinished business will entail a message that it wants to get across to somebody that's living. Or a message about, you know, I I misplaced this and I can't find it. I can't Mm. go anywhere until I find it. Mm. Or I've got a child here and I've died. I'm I'm looking after the child. Mm. So, you want to give it an opportunity to kind of communicate and say what it wants. And sometimes at that point, we feel that if it gets that message across, it'll go away.
0: And have you found
1: that to be the case for people? In a couple of cases. It did seem like it went away. Yes. Okay, H-
0: two questions. Right. How, you can give an, a clear example of, of one particular case. How do you get the message? Mm-hmm. How do you ask and receive it? Right. And um, and do you have an example of the sorts of of messages that have been communicated we
1: uh, we oftentimes don't get a very clear message Mm. and that's part of the problem is that we try to use multiple different methods of, of communicating there is the digital voice recorder which is supposed to record disembodied voices we can sit in a room with this digital voice recorder and have not a single sound in the rest of the house and be asking questions and we'll get a voice sometimes that responds that we know was none of us so this we is know, a
0: normal recording thing. Yes, just oh a
1: normal God. digital well, voice scare, recorder. That would scare the
0: shit out of you. <laughs> What's that? <laughs>
1: it's, it's interesting because occasionally you hear multiple voices, and sometimes they sound like they're talking about you. No. So it's Like like
0: they're having a conversation about you? Yes. Oh, my yes, God. like
1: they're talking about you.
0: <laughs> so on the cryptid episode, Les mentioned this idea, I think, called the st- string ball theory which is basically that all of time is just a ball and that it's all overlapping. Right. And what we think is a ghost might not be a ghost. So it's like those are just – are those just two, three, four other people who are in their living room in another reality looking at you, being like, well, what the hell is that voice that we keep hearing?
1: Yeah, that's right. And and that that is something that we've discussed before too, because nobody really knows the true nature of time and, and whether it's linear or whether it's like, you know, and it's some old movie they said it's actually shaped like a taco and occasionally the two ends of the fold ends, day, so the yes. just
0: come over and just basically so touch what, each other. What were the what were they the ghosts saying about you guys? Um
1: they were talking about how they were scared of the equipment that we had. Um oh my this God. was one particular investigation I'm thinking of where this man had been experiencing some strange things in the house that he had built with his own hands back in the 70s. And the whole time he had lived there, there had been spirits that had been seen. One of his children, I think, saw some spirit of a woman coming up out of his basement with a long dress and a basket in her hands. And we thought, well, that's kind of strange. But it was obvious from old barbed wire embedded in a tree and things of that nature that there had been... A house or a homestead on that property at one time, so we knew the land went back pretty far, and we started asking questions, started trying to figure out what this thing was, and we had this was on a spirit box that we had running, which is basically a radio state a radio that is meant to scan through the radio stations um, rapidly without stopping. And you can set it to go forward through the AM frequency or backwards, or you can set it to go forward through AM or backwards. You can increase and decrease the speed at which it scans. But what you get is this sort of choppy speech effect, this j j j j j j And somehow, in amongst that, it seems that whatever is there is able to communicate. And
0: it, this is one wait, wait, instance. wait, wait. Mm-hmm. So it's cutting through all these stations and it's creating like a montage of words as it moves through right and it, so you would think logically that that would be random nothing yeah but you're some but through all the voices and songs that you're hearing through the as it rips through the radio you're actually you hear hearing, hearing formed sentences right that's
1: exactly right jesus and we're not sure again exactly how this works we're not sure if um, something that's in the room, a spirit can manipulate the tuner and have its own voice coming through the radio, or whether they're able to manipulate it in the way of somehow using these words that are already being spoken on radio stations to be able to get its its oh, message man. across. I just had
0: a memory come up where I went over to this um girl's um apartment one night and for some odd reason she had asked me to come over to help her transfer her father's ashes um, from the container that came from the oh, cremation place yes. into an urn, oh. and I'm just sitting there just silently just being like almost like blank, like I don't know wh- why I'm here, but I'm right. here. And yeah. as she, first of all, when she opened the box, off the uh, the cardboard box, from the ashes just like kind of went just kind of poured out of the top, and that was so haunting. And then immediately the radio on the TV switched to some incredibly meaningful song for her that was like a lyric, a repeating lyric that had to do exactly with her dad. Yeah. And, oh, man, that was haunting. Yeah,
1: I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah. And we have had, you know, in this particular instance, like I was mentioning, the the voices that were coming through – I said something, I had gotten the feeling that there were multiple bodies buried on the property. And so I I figured I would just ask the question, you know, what the hell? And I said, you know, are there
0: bar- bodies buried here? And and just to be clear for the podcast, yes. so you're standing in this room at night, you've got your recording equipment on, and you're just speaking this into the room.
1: Right, yeah, you just speak it out into oblivion and hope mm-hmm. that something responds. Mm-hmm. And what it said was, we're Amish, and I thought, that's strange, because I had no idea that Amish actually inhabited that area of northern Virginia at that time. This was right around Winchester. Hmm. So um, I had no idea. And so we started looking into how it did and realized— that, How did you find that sentence? It was through that spirit box that, okay. that came through. It was that choppy sort of speech that came through— and we're Amish. And mm. I thought, okay. So we start asking questions along that line, hoping that maybe we had heard the right thing. And, um, you know, what it started saying was things like, we're scared. We're scared of it. And which would make perfect sense for the Amish. They would be scared to death of something that we're holding
0: oh and trying God. to
1: communicate with them because I they're Amish, it. you know. <laughs> they're going to be scared of anything like that that's technology. They're gonna think that it's, you know, the devil's work. So they were a little bit afraid to speak to us, but the dialogue that they had going on was a man and a woman, and you could hear the woman saying, You know, the man was saying, let's let's leave. Let's leave. You know, he wanted to leave the room. He wanted to get out of there. She was more intrigued, and she wanted to stay and communicate a little bit more. So it was just strange because you knew that they could hear you or see
0: you. I mean, that to me feels like two two dimensions happening at the same time. Right. And that's exactly
1: what it seems like it is, is is somehow they're – Like there's this famous story of the
0: witch, the witching bell or something like that, the bell witch, the bell witch, where all these all these people would come and talk to this voice. It's like what? Yeah, what if it's just someone on, on, in a, just someone doing the exact same thing? Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Now that I
0: think was probably a demon, but (laughs) okay. Okay. So I want to hear what you think a demon is, but but so. You've brought up one idea. Well, multiple, but you brought yes. up the, the original idea of a ghost, which is right a someone who's died and their spirit soul is stuck. Right. What are some other ideas that you guys play with or have um, gotten insight into, et cetera, et cetera, that, of what it could be? Because, you know, I brought it up on the cryptid episode. Mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely – he called it um, the stone tape theory. Which is basically that some places have an energy that can record. Right. And that was a something that kind of came to me without ever reading about it. It was yes. just that this repeating action. Right. Where the same thing happens one day a year at midnight or, you know. Mm-hmm. So what are some other ideas that that have come to you guys? That was actually the next one I was gonna mention. Okay. We call it a
1: residual haunting. Residual and- haunting. What it seems to us that, that occurs is that extremes of emotion in the living people are what imprint themselves on the surrounding energy in the atmosphere. And when the conditions are right, it replays itself like a video um, and loops again and again. And it may be something like a battle uh, on a battlefield that occurs.
0: I've, it had, may a, I've be, had an experience on the Manassas battlefield. Yes.
1: Yeah. A lot of people have. Um, it may be something like a a couple up in Gloucester that sees this woman come down their staircase on Christmas Eve, and she's always wearing the same thing, and she always does the same thing. It never changes, and her her behavior never changes. One of the telltale signs of a residual haunting is that the, the spirit that you're looking at it, it that's involved will never look at you
0: mm, just because an they answer. don't
1: see you. So it doesn't. there's no interaction with this one? No, wow. none whatsoever. Wow. So when you see a, uh, um, like the battle on the battlefield playing out in front of you, most likely it's a residual haunting because of the in- intense emotion that these guys were feeling out there on the battlefield at that time that's Im- imprinted itself on the atmosphere. And some people believe that um, they – that that these residual hauntings if it's something a noise in the house or a smell often we'll hear people say well i keep smelling cookies mm. baking mm. you know and i can't figure out where it's coming from and it's around this time of the year and well you know perhaps somebody that lived in the house before them used to bake cookies every single mm. christmas and that joy that they felt in baking the cookies, probably with a child or something, mm. has imprinted itself on the atmosphere. Well,
0: that's a beautiful one. Yes. Because that's, like, happy. Yeah. Um, I, I, that makes me think, like, do our actions in the living, can they do that? Like, if you do a whole bunch of nasty stuff in one room, oh, will, yes. will it charge with that energy? Yes, it
1: does. Yes, it most certainly does. And for some reason, negative emotions are more intense mm. than the than the happy emotions, than the good emotions. Mm. So what you tend to get is these places where, in one particular room or in one apartment, we'll walk in and you'll feel that energy in there, and people will believe that they have some sort of a normal ghost walking around, and and they'll may even see things or hear things, but it could just be the energy that's left behind from the people who used to live there mm. that is sort of permeating that apartment. Mm. So, we have to kind of take that into account too when we walk into a place. Is this something about a previous resident or is this something
0: that is, you know, somebody died on the property? Okay. So, you've got a stuck, sp- a stuck spirit, you've got this recorder effect, and then you've got just like a charge up of energy.
1: Yes yes yeah. and
0: any other ideas?
1: Um, well like I say there's the interdimensional beings that they talk about um, we're not exactly sure what the extent of those are of course you have the fairies and gnomes and things of that nature Some people even believe that there are so, there's something called a parasite that they say comes is interdimensional it comes over from some dimension and basically wreaks havoc on your house and we've had instances like this before where we weren't exactly sure what we were dealing with, we decided in the end that these parasites, at least to our understanding, were probably demonic. That's the only thing that we could, you know, that made a whole lot of
0: sense.
1: First question. Yes. How do you guys protect yourself from that kind of shit? Well, the only thing we really do is try to lead a good life. Mm. Um, We often will say a quick little prayer when mm. we go into an investigation, but for the most part, we're not fasting, we're not, um, you know, going into deep prayer before these investigations. Mm. We have been asked on a number of occasions to come in after a Catholic priest mm. when what he did was not effective. Mm. And it all has to do with your faith and your energy, you know, y- what you put out there in the world. So we we try to live the best lives we can. We try to be mm. really good people, exceptionally good people, trying to help people as much as we can and um, never to do anybody any harm. And I think that has a lot to do with it because um, our faith in God and our, our understanding of, of the way the spiritual world works seems to work for us. It seems to work really well.
0: So I have never... Taken demons seriously. Yes. And recently, I really have started to. I mean, just, you know, I did an interview, a podcast. It was never released because I think the guest felt a little uncomfortable about it. So I don't want to say too much, but um, Mm -hmm. he does say publicly, he talks a lot about uh, brutal community um, sexual abuse from his whole community. He says this publicly. sexual abuse, physical abuse. Um, I do think, and it made me so upset listening to everything he was saying and, um, you know, things like abuse to children, things like addiction. Mm -hmm. I really, really think that there are like otherworldly dark forces that feed on that. And I just feel like it's real. These demon things are real. Yes. Like you see a drug addict and, um, you know, it's like, even when I I used to drink to oblivion for like 10 years, 16 to 26. Yeah. And, you know, I would black out. So you disappear. Oh, for yeah. For 10 hours, you're disappeared. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of alcohol being called spirits.
1: Yes. And
0: um, I'm very into Jungian psychology. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, really, especially with like some levels of drug use, you are allowing things to come into you. Yes, I'm also into the idea a Jungian idea of the shadow, that every person has a very dark side that you need to acknowledge and integrate. Right. So, yes, there's darkness in everyone, but I really think there is actual demonic forces out there. Yes. So, what have you guys experienced and what do you guys believe with this Ooh. demonic? We have experienced quite a bit, actually. Um,
1: it seems in the most recent years, the majority of the cases that we take now are demonic cases and I'm not exactly sure whether that is a reflection of society in general, the way that it's going nowadays, or whether there's something else going on. Um, Sometimes people will call us and say, you know, I saw your name and I just felt like I was compelled to call you. Mm. And so, we're not sure exactly why there's that uptick, in in, an extreme uptick in cases that we get that are demonic, but Demons are one of those things that I think you, – you mentioned a few things about the Jungian psychology, that mm. everybody has a dark side. Mm-hmm. Christians believe the exact same thing, but mm. it, they call it something different. It's that you know, that kind of compulsion to sin that we carry with us mm. throughout our entire lives. So, every, huh. everybody has that choice of whether to give in to that dark side or to go toward the light, and it's the same thing with Star Wars. It's amazing what parallels you can find. <laughs> Universal <laughs> in, in the originals. Yes, in mm-hmm. the original Star Wars, because you have that choice whether you can do dark, shady things with your life or whether you can go towards the light. And there's a theory called, it's, and I wouldn't say necessarily a theory, it's kind of a school of thought with um, getting rid of these demons in your life. And the idea is that everybody has multiple demons around them all the time. They just don't realize it because it's not what you would expect. It's not what people see from TV shows where somebody's being picked up and slammed against the wall, Mm. thrown around. That's all entertainment. That's all mostly fabricated because demons are very, very intelligent, highly intelligent. They will sit for years and watch you and watch every move you make, and they what they want to find out is your weaknesses, how mm. they can infiltrate your life, how they can turn you against your wife or you against your husband, how they can mm. cause havoc and chaos in a family unit, um, mm. and how they can cause things like addiction or dr- drug abuse, you know, how they can um, manipulate your your career, your job, how they can destroy your family, everything. It's just total chaos and destruction that they want to cause. So my
0: question really is, is this within or is it without?
1: It's without. These are mm. actually spirits. They're mm. actually spirits. They don't have a human or a body form, a bodily form. They don't come in corporeal form because they they are supposedly just don't have that nature. But they can manipulate your mind to make you see them as they want you to see them. In other words, when people describe these beings with these horned creatures, "Oh, I came into the kitchen and there was this horned creature standing you there with nose." You that? Yes. The first thing we believe is that this is not actually the demon in its own form appearing like that. This is that this person has gone a little bit too far toward the dark side and their mind is now being manipulated by this demon and it's making them see what they want this person to see. So they'll show you things. Yes. They can show you things. See, this they can is make what you I've been, feel certain ways. Yes. This is
0: what I've been wondering too with I've never really gotten into magic, mm-hmm. but you know, really starting to take seriously like what Light white magic and black magic is. Yes. And I wonder that when you start opening these Pandora's boxes, if you are shown things that are just you don't ever want to see. Yeah. Like, or you're possessed truly. Right. Like, you like these forces, you know, if you are, I just, I'm just starting to have to really think about all these things as so real. These yeah. forces, these mysteries are so great. Yes. And so, you yes. know, that's why I really wanted to ask you, how do you guys protect yourself? Because you guys are um, engaging with in like oh, yeah. profound mysteries. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um,
1: and there's been instances, the, the one I told you about who lived underneath the power lines. Mm. Um, this was a double-wide trailer out in Smithfield, um, not too far away from here. Uh, Nice, nice trailer, nice people, but they had a lot of things that were happening. And when we got there, we, of course, made the rounds. We didn't go into the teenager's bedroom. Mm. She was not present during the initial interview. So we didn't get to meet her until much later on in the evening. But when she walked into the house and sat down and started speaking to us uh, later after the investigation, I thought, uh, something's up with this one. You know, there's something here. And so we asked her, we said, you know, have you ever played with a spirit board, a Ouija board, uh, you know, any kind of divination, any kind of thing like that? And no, no, no. But the way she answered us, you could tell she was lying. You could tell she'd been into something. And perhaps because she was sitting there with her parents, didn't want them to find out that she was the cause of all of this. So, um you know, we thought, okay, well, something's definitely going on there. And we went went about our business, did the audio analysis like we usually do from, from our home computer, listened to some things, weren't getting a whole lot on there, and went back and ended up doing a house blessing. Hmm. And for some reason, this was one of those evenings where Jeff did, could not come with me. And so, it's me and this one other girl named Megan, and she's somewhat christian but not real devout you know strongly following christian and we have our frankincense that's supposed to be permeating the house and we have uh holy water and we're going around sprinkling the holy water saying these prayers directly from the bible and we walk into this teenager's bedroom And I walk a few feet in, and the minute I go in there, I said, oh, yeah, this is the root of it. Because she had basically these walls painted black, and the posters on her walls were, you know, kind of Marilyn Manson-ish, blood dripping from the teeth. It was just very gory, very dark, dark stuff that she'd chosen to decorate her room with. And so I said, okay, well, you know, we're going about our business doing the, doing sprinkling the holy water around. And all of a sudden we hear from the corner of the room to my left comes this deep growl, this. And we froze because these people didn't have a dog. And I looked at the girl next to me and her eyes were like saucers. She said, was that what I think it was? And I said, oh, yeah. And she turned around, and headed back out the door, and I got pissed. (laughs) I was pissed. Oh, no, you're not going to start growling at me. You know, and I'm flinging this stuff. I doused that room. And we didn't actually hear anything much from them after that. I don't know whether we were able to drive anything away for good or whether it just went off with its tail tucked for a little while and waited until it had an opportunity to come back. What kind of things were happening in the trailer pre you guys showing up? They were seeing a lot of dark shadow, what they call shadow figures. Mm. Um, It's a a form of like a normal human uh, figure, but it's it's dark. It's like a um, dark cloud that takes that form. Sometimes they say it looks like the person has a pointed hat on top Mm. of their head. And they were seeing multiple ones of those. I think there were cases where they were smelling the sulfur in the house. They were smelling the strange permeating permeating smell. It would be in one corner of the room without any explanation as to its origin. Then a second later, it was gone, and it would be somewhere else in the house. So it's kind of um, all this typical activity, I would say that you would, you would hear from a a more demonic case. And sure enough, I'm pretty sure that's what we found when we were there, because there was no other explanation that we could find as to where a growl would be coming from. So there's, they're actually (laughs) there. The girl was not in the house at the time. She was at a friend's house. Um, So I knew it couldn't be something that she was she was projecting from her mind to create the sound or, or to create this entity. This thing was there.
0: It. This is all very interesting. You know, I, I as a teenager, loved Marilyn Manson. And um, I've just, you know, over the past few years, been thinking about, um, like, color therapy. Like, you yes. know, wearing pitch black. You know, I lived in New York City for 10 years. Everyone wears pitch black. Right. And it, I do, I don't really know. I I just I have nothing but question marks for any of these types of things, but um, yes. I wonder: is there an effect with the colors that you wear? If you wear black all the time, um, does that have an effect? And um, mm-hmm. um, what? Oh, this is what I wanted to say, um, and I think it'll be better for me to say to you. Other than I think I'm going to interview the, the the owner of this herbal shop, uh-huh. so because she's awesome but i don't want to throw another store under the bus right but i just wanted to say as you brought that up just um it, when i lived in new york city there's a renowned herbal shop mm. and it is awesome mm. it is like um the walls are covered in herb jars oh wow. and it has a very magical feeling in it yes and when you walk in there the whole thing feels enchanted and the women in there feel, it's mainly women who work there, but right. I'm sure there's men that work there as well. But my feeling when I'm in there was um, power, and it's enchanted, and it's yes. magical, it's healing, it's mm-hmm. calm. Just down, just a few stores down, there's an occult shop that is very, um, I like that stuff. I like, I'm interested in occult symbols. I think that's all kind of interesting. Right. But when you walk into this, just this particular shop, you um, the energy is so low, and yes. it's like black, 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 and all the employees that work there are hunched over, and you know, like
1: Ugh. yeah, and you
0: know, it's this like strange, like dark teen angst that has gone on for decades now, right? And everyone's kind of hunched and like quasimodoed oh. and just like you know, the woman, the the well, she, you know, the girl behind the counter was like burning a little something, and she's like uh, uh, and kind of like murmuring, and it's just that. Feeling between yes. the two. Both were both of these shops had a heightened energy. Right. One of them felt positive and healing and mm-hmm. beautiful and mysterious and um life giving. The right. other one felt like hmm, this is like mud. Yeah. And it's like I don't know about this. I don't think this is the path. I think right. if you pursue this, that there I don't know where this goes, but I just immediate feeling is that. I don't know. So yeah. anyways, that kind of came up as we're talking about all this stuff. Um, uh, when I listened to that exorcist talk, mm-hmm. this is another topic I've been thinking about and I've been talking with my Jungian analyst a lot about, about the use of symbols. Mm-hmm. And um, I wonder um, if you unknowingly use symbols, you know, I really like metal music, and I always loved metal. Right. And um, a lot of metal album covers, they use all these occult symbols. And I wonder um, the power of a symbol, and if you use it blindly just mm-hmm. because it's fun, are is that symbol actually opening something up? And when I listened to the Catholic exorcist talk, he said, like, you know, this is just a Catholic point of view, right? but I still find it interesting, but, you know, um, certainly I imagine so anyways, he said that you know the idea of having a bathomet tattoo is a lousy idea. Right. And I, I have been wondering that. the images you put on your body, the images you wear, do those images and symbols have power? And yes. do we fully understand the power that we are choosing to attach to our body? Right.
1: I think that you they definitely hold power. Now, certain things, I can create my own symbol. And say that it means this, and it may be a symbol that has never been used before in society for as long as we can remember, and yet this can hold some power because it's you're sort of imbuing it with your own energy, your own intent. Which is what a
0: sigil is.
1: Yes, your own intent, your own beliefs. But then there are other symbols that were created perhaps in ancient times that We know today, as perhaps a pentagram and things of that nature, that were given power by somebody else way, way back. And because we don't necessarily know who that was or what their intent was, um, you know, there are certain symbols that I definitely stay away from. Um, I would not put certain things on my body, even though, like you said, I mean, I was into metal music for a while, I was into the occult for a while, there was a great deal of time where um, I dabbled in, you know, um, what they call santeria, which is Mm. kind of a Puerto Rican, Mm -hmm. or Dominican form of um, voodoo, in a sense. And it's... It was I was raised Christian, but yet you always, when you get to be a teenager, you have those questions. You start questioning everything. Mm -hmm. And so you try to figure out what your place is and what your identity is. And in all of that, there were certain things I came across that um, now I wouldn't touch, now I Mm. wouldn't do it. But at the time, it seemed to hold some sort of power and some Mm. sort of – magic to it. Um, I was also very much into herbs, and I still am. I mm. love the idea of natural healing mm. and being able to cure yourself with the, with the, what you find in nature, because all of those things, I believe, were put there by God, mm-hmm. nobody else. Mm-hmm. So, um, if we did not take advantage of those things that were put here for us, we'd be stupid. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, so the but but when you take those herbs and then you put them, wrap them up in a a red cloth and you're tying somebody's hair around it and your intent is to cause somebody harm or to cause even love to -hmm. occur between two people then that's going too far. You know, for mm-hmm. me, it's going a little bit too far. But mm-hmm. yeah, things can hold a lot of meaning, a lot of intent. Even something as simple as a as a ring on somebody's finger, it may, in a sense, be a symbol. You know, it, it's not necessarily what people would think of as a symbol, but this one ring, this one piece of jewelry can hold a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And so much energy that after the person has died, then...
0: The spirit still is attached to that ring. Mm, So, sure. Certainly, if it's been on their body for so long. Yes. Okay. That's opening a new topic. Yeah. Haunted objects. Mm, Yes. Do you guys have experiences with that? We do. Um, We
1: can't say for sure whether we've come across something that we could say was definitively a haunted object. But there are certain things that you may have an old picture of somebody in a room, and for some reason, you, you find that all of the activity that they're experiencing in the house is in that one room, mm. you know? And, and and so you have to kind of look. That's one of the questions we ask in the initial interview. Do you have anything in your home that you have bought second hand, or that you bought? Oh my bought God, secondhand? We, we buy
0: everything vintage.
1: I know. We're I know. tampering with. Yeah. <laughs> 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 don't buy jewelry and don't buy mirrors. That's one thing I can definitely say. Okay. Mirrors and jewelry, estate jewelry and mirrors are one of those things that, for some reason, hold a lot of energy and. That's kind of what we see as haunted mirrors and things of Hmm. that nature. Um, You know, we have had an instance where this one mirror, it was one of those kind of tall mirrors that's supposed to be a full-length mirror. And the woman said she had all of this activity in her master bedroom closet, I guess it was, where this mirror was hanging. And in, in her bedroom, but nowhere else in the rest of the house. So we ended up taking what we call a REM pod, and it's basically just a piece of PVC with a with a top on it, like a pipe, a cross section of a pipe. And it's made so that it has different colored lights on the top of it, and it has an antenna sticking out the, of the top. And when you go near this antenna, these lights, the closer you go to the antenna, the, the more intense the lights get. The lights will get different colors, different, like it. You may start out a little far away from it, and it lights up yellow. Then you get a little closer, it lights up purple. Get a little closer, it lights up green. But there's also these audible sounds that come out of it as well, this sort of intensifying of tones the closer you get to it as well. So we set this thing at the base of the mirror.
0: So your human body will make this thing react with yes. light and sound? Yes. Okay. So and there
1: are other things that will we'll set it off as well that we found – um, the people on the shows. Here we go back again mm-hmm. to the things that are rigged. Um, you can stand about eight or ten feet away from one of these rem pods, and you can push the button on a regular handheld radio, mm. and it'll make this thing mm. go off. And sure. uh, you know why? I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not that much of a scientist that I understand why. But also those little static balls. Um, you know and and they're the the big glass balls that have this this static electricity oh yeah, looks like lightning inside mm-hmm. them they set them off. Mm. We've discovered that recently mm. no idea why but but yes you can go up and you can touch it a cat can walk past it and brush against it and touch it and it'll go off. But when you have that thing in the center of this room underneath this mirror and we, kind of went away for a little while let's give it some space and see what happens we go out into the bedroom and we're sitting there and this thing lights up and it was obvious from the way that it lit up that something was either going through that mirror coming out of it and so it was using this mirror as a sort of portal to go in between our dimension and its own
0: or our state of being and its own you know that is so haunting and when i interviewed the fossil hunter he said, "Through this is the guy that does paranormal investigations." Yes. He said that he, he had found that all, almost all the hauntings they were getting into are around water, and oh, yeah. that just popped in my head thinking about the mirror because yeah. what was a mirror before the invention of a mirror It was water, water glassness. That's exactly and right. And so something about reflections mm-hmm. has this haunt has this um, borderland
1: yeah element this, yeah. I I don't know what it is. They do say demons travel by water as well. A a demon can travel supposedly by rivers or by creeks, Mm. um, by underground creeks, come up through people's wells, things Mm. things of that nature. So we always look at water sources when we're going into an investigation as well. Any source of energy like that that would come from the natural world, we
0: pay very close attention to. So you're saying about 90% of times you guys have figured out a rational, non mysterious yes. reason. Yes. Now, for the 10% of the time, has there ever been anything that like scared the hell out of you? Because you seem pretty No I, mean, I get smooched <laughs> by this kind of stuff. Like you seem pretty obviously you guys are like in it. Yeah. So nothing yeah. none of it really freaks you out.
1: Now, um, after you do this for a while, you become a little bit desensitized to it. Mm. But there's also I guess the fact that most people would, if they're going to be afraid of anything, it's going to be demons. Mm. Um, Even people that have been in the field for many, many years, we've encountered a lot of paranormal investigators, seasoned paranormal investigators, who say they don't necessarily want to deal with the dark stuff. Mm. You know, they're more in pursuit of what they believe might be a human spirit because mm. it's too easy to have a demon follow you
0: back to your house That's and wreak havoc. Why I asked, how do you guys protect yourself? Does yes. anything ever stick to you?
1: There's been one one instance I can think of in the six or seven years that I've been doing this what where happened I knew something followed. And how did you get it off? We went to this investigation in Gloucester where there was a cul-de-sac, a nice community of homes that was probably built back in the 80s. And there was this gentleman who had contacted us who said he was renting this home and that he and his wife and his wife's mother all lived there and she was disabled. So she was in the house all the time, all day long while they were, were at work. And she said initially when she laid down on the sofa, not long after moving in there, she started hearing what sounded like somebody with heavy boots on stomping up the steps from the basement. They had this half basement down there. And she said um, it was strange strange, shorter sounds, things moving. She had this little dog that was her companion. The little dog would stand up on the ottoman and growl at something often across the room and she wouldn't see anything there. But there started becoming this heightening of activity in the house. And eventually one day she was talking to the neighbor across the street and uh, the neighbor had told her that there was a murder in her her own home. In other words, the people who called us out, the neighbor that lived across the street from them, there had been a horrible, horrible murder in that house committed by two teenagers on her parents back in the early 90s. And that ever since then, everybody in the cul de sac had had some kind of crazy activity going on in their homes. Even so much so that another neighbor had abandoned their house and left paint cans. They were in the middle of painting, and something frightened them so badly that they got up and left the paint cans with the lid off, with the mixers in there, threw everything down, walked out, and never went back. And they will, for some reason, not sell the house. They just keep it in the family, but nobody will live there. So there's all kinds of crazy activity here. Then... The woman wakes up one one afternoon and she sees a man standing over top of her and he, she said he looked like he was reaching for the phone. She had laid on her back on the sofa and had the phone against her stomach as she was dozing off. And she said it looked like he was reaching for the phone and she described him perfectly. And then she said she looks over and standing behind the sofa is this teenage boy. And she said, you know, who are these people? And she jumps up, of course and they disappear so she knew that it was not somebody that was really living and the woman that lived in the what we call the murder home across the street showed her a picture and said does this look like anybody and the woman said that was the older gentleman that was standing over me and this kid over here is the one that was standing behind the sofa What the interesting thing was, was that the kid that was supposedly standing behind the sofa was one of the ones that committed the murder. He's still alive. He's in jail to this day. So the gentleman, the older gentleman, was the one, the father, whom they had murdered. Now, to take it a step further, this woman, having no sort of major health problems at all, She decides one day that she's going to go across the street and have tea or coffee with this woman that she'd made friends with, and she went back in her bedroom probably to put her her dog into its little cage and to put put her shoes on. Before she'd gotten back to the front door, her lungs had filled up with fluid, and she couldn't breathe, and she almost died. She was brought to intensive care, and the doctors could find no explanation as to why her lungs had instantly filled up with fluid like this. Um, but it was a wonderful thing that somebody had happened. She managed to make a phone call out to her husband or to her, her son, I should say, who called the, the ambulance. But the strange thing is is that that's how the father across the street had died. They had stabbed him multiple times in the chest. His lungs had filled up with fluid and because of that, he had basically drowned on his own Fluid in his lungs, so they called us out here and told us. They said we've had a Catholic priest out here. He went down into the basement and he would not even step off of the bottom step of of the basement steps. All he did was leaned over and threw holy water as far as he possibly could and said a few things, and scurried back up the steps. When they got back upstairs, the Catholic priest had told him, you need to move out of this house. You need to move out now. This, Whatever this is is not good. And he had left, frightened. So when we came in there, we weren't exactly sure what to expect. It happened to be one of those rare afternoon investigations. It was quiet. Um, not a single thing ever happened. And that's sort of been become the telltale sign of a demonic haunting or some demon in the house, nothing happens. It's as quiet as a a church in there, you know? And so you're, we're standing around like, you know, okay, nothing's going on. But when we left the investigation, it happened to be, I think a Saturday evening, everything seemed okay. That Sunday evening, Jeff left with his daughter to go up to Delaware to visit his father. And I was left alone in the house. And as I'm sitting there at my desk and I'm, you know, working on the computer, I started getting this strange feeling like I was being watched. And this went on the entire evening, even when I went to get in the shower. I left the shower, left the bathroom door open because I'm there by myself, you know. And I step into the shower and pull the shower curtain closed and I'm washing and I knew something was standing in the bathroom doorway watching. And... I kept leaning over and pulling the shower curtain aside and looking, and, and nothing was there, of course. Never saw anything visually, but knew something was standing there, and so I, I thought about it a little bit and said, this is quite a coincidence. We come home from this investigation yesterday evening, yesterday afternoon. And all of a sudden today, I'm getting this feeling in my house like I'd never felt before. Now, the house that we live in is haunted, but not by anything like this. So I get out of the shower. I put my pajamas on. I went directly to get the holy water and the kit that we use for house blessing. And I went through there like with a vengeance. I basically told it, there's no way in hell you're going to stay in my house, you know, and told it off <laughs> in a spiritual sense. Um, after that day, nothing. Never felt anything like that again. I, I kind of, in my, in my belief, I think it looked and said, well, she's not too good of a prey. I'm just going to go back to where I was before and mess with those people because I'm having fun over there. So I think that it tested the waters. It followed us home to see how we lived and to see if there was some way that it could screw with us. And then decided, yeah, I don't think I like her too much. I'm going to go back over here. And nothing's ever, ever occurred like that before or, or since then. So that was the one instance I can say something
0: followed me. That is so terrifying. That really, I was yeah. like, oh, what I wanted to say is, how similar that is to when you hear about people being attacked by like a human assailant, that predators, mm-hmm. they look for weakness in people. They do. And so it seems like if there's stuff going on on a spiritual level, it's exactly the same. Yes, it, it is. And what you talked about there made me recall, I wanted to mention this on the podcast at some point, but... um I've had many, many, many dreams. Well, they're not dreams, they're nightmares. I've had many nightmares, not recently, but for a period Mm -hmm. where I'm in a haunted house, something is coming, a ghost is coming. And with energy that I can push out of my hands, I drive it back, like Mm. back, like, you know, push it out with energy. And um, so my Jungian analyst, I speak every week to a um, an analyst, we dissect my dreams and whatnot, and yeah. he's of uh, the Jungian, um, the Jungian approach. So he's also very much into breath work, oh, and um, okay. so up in New York, groups of people will do these these breath exercises mm-hmm. that can be very healing. They can be very visionary, mm-hmm. and I've done it a few times. Um, you know, this is just like in a studio in Manhattan, yeah. like a yoga studio or whatnot. But um, we were doing a breath working, and um, you know, you're just basically. If you've heard people talk about what you can do with psychedelics, mm-hmm. you can do this with breath as well. Oh. So, you know, you can do these like intense breath exercises that will give you insight. Huh. And some people have experiences of their childhood, like wow. their their natal traumas oh, and people will see things you know that happened from a family member and be able to heal things right so anyways when I, my experience while well, this was happening you know people are kind of making weird groan noises because they're all kind of entranced yeah and um, I just like saw this black shadow coming into the room and like a cloud mm-hmm. and with all of the force that I could muster I just was saying like what you said in your story no no like get like no. Yes. Like you are not allowed here. Like back, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so God almighty.
0: Yeah. So your story, that is really haunting and chilling. <sighs> I mean, it just like life is already <laughs> complex enough and then you gotta deal with all these spiritual forces as well.
1: Yeah, I have to say it's uh not exactly the life that I expected. How'd but... you get into this? Well, um, I've always been kind of into it. Um, My father was very much into history, and Mm -hmm. and the paranormal sort of goes hand in hand a lot of times with history. Uh, He would take me, I was basically the son he never had. Mm. So I would follow him everywhere and he'd tell me all these stories about ghosts and Bigfoot and cryptids and other things and um and aliens and all of these things I've been hearing since I could I couldn't even speak. And so I sort of grew up with that interest and that that frame of mind that there's this intense spiritual world out there. There's this world that we don't see, that we don't really understand and that science can't necessarily explain, and I've always been into mysteries. I al- also love true crime hmm. uh, because of that, because it's just this intense mystery that I just, I want to solve it, you know? And it was sort of a natural course of action. Um, to avoid giving away the the story I'm going to tell yes. at the very end, okay. I'll just sum it up to say there was an an, an intense experience that I had, um When probably about seven years ago, that sort of led me on the path, when I came back and had at fr- home from having this experience, I immediately got on the computer and started looking up paranormal investigation groups in the area. Mm. And um, at that time, I had been in a relationship that was sort of, um, you know, controlling Mm. and had not been allowed to do things that I wanted to do. So this was sort of my way of breaking free Mm. and of saying, okay, you know, I'm going to do something I want to do. And the first video that came up on the first Google page was one of Jeff's videos. Wow. So um, I contacted him immediately through email and he said, well, it just so happens we're trying to bring people onto the group right now. And I met him at a local Starbucks down the road about a week later and have been on almost every investigation ever since. And he
0: became your boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> he was married so at fun. the time. And now he's, yeah, now he's um, my boyfriend. Um, well, I'll, maybe we should get into the story. But right before that, I recall what I was going to say about that terrifying story that you told. Yes. That, um, because you mentioned true crime. It, so... You've mentioned that the guy is still alive, right? And yes. so then that kind of plays into some ideas we've been talking about. That one, if there's a really heightened dark energy happening in a place, right, it, it'll get the energy gets stuck there. Yeah, the people are still alive, but the right. horrible act is stuck. And then also the idea that we were bringing up before about places being able to record scenes. Mm-hmm. So there was a terrible scene. And it's recorded. The guy's still alive. It's not the guy's spirit. No, it's some awful thing that has happened that is stuck in there. And then you exactly. And then like you're talking about, and what my feelings have been lately is when you engage in terrible actions, Mm -hmm. the repercussions are not just our own guilt or or legal punishment, but some kind of spiritual thing. Yes, will take advantage of it. Yes. So here was this murder who knows what their incentive was right. but some through that terrible act something else is now mingling around in that right it can open up a doorway Ugh. in a
1: sense a spiritual doorway mm-hmm. and allow demons to come through or other mm. dark forces they i've heard it said once before and this makes a lot of sense th- demons are attracted to places where there's been a lot of bloodshed mm and it doesn't necessarily have to be humans there's been places where uh, they had a a butchery before and these are very intensely haunted Mm. supposedly demonically haunted locations because of the amount of blood that is shed into the ground and the ground absorbs it there's this iron content in the blood and there's something about that in that iron content that attracts these
0: demons. Oh, I hope I'm okay as a hunter and trapper. I know. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> I'm sure you probably are. All of our <laughs> food, I may, all of our our food is opening up yeah. a portal. <laughs> oh yikes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my god. Well, um, yeah, let's get into your story. Okay.
1: Like I said, about maybe seven years ago, um, I was into the paranormal, interested in it, but I, had, I was in the midst of getting out of this relationship with this man who was very manipulating, very controlling, and I'd been with him since I was 19. So I was, had never had any idea of what it was to live on my own as an adult and be kind of my own person. And um, he and I got into this horrible argument one night, not long after he left the house for good. And I had been in a state of mind lately where I was very depressed. Um, I wanted a way out of this situation, but did not know how to help myself. Didn't really have the willpower or the self-esteem for that matter to be able to pull myself up by my bootstraps and keep going with life. And so I had been in a lot of intense prayer as well, trying to figure out how to get out of this and how to make a life for myself. We had a young daughter at the time as well. And so my concern was for her and making sure that she had everything that she needed emotionally and physically and mentally. And so when we got into this intense argument, he was one of those people that would corner you and not let you leave. Or if you did manage to escape from him, he would continue to follow you. So I got into my car that evening, and just out of desperation, got into the car. The village of Yorktown was always a place where I went to think. It was my thinking spot, even as a teenager. I would go and sit down at one of these benches by the York River there, um, watch the boats go by, And it's also a place where you see naval ships go by because it's one of the deepest channels along the eastern seaboard. Um, And so I said, okay, I'm going down to Yorktown. I went down this road called Cook Road. It's a, a road that leads from the main road, Highway 17, George Washington Memorial Highway is what they call it, off kind of down through the deep, dense woods and past this graveyard that we always called the Confederate Cemetery. It's one of those where there was multiple soldiers from the Civil War buried, and it leads down into the village. And I always took that route. Every single time I went to Yorktown, took that route. And on this particular night, it was probably about 10 o'clock at night, and I took off down that road, thinking everything was going to be perfectly normal along the road. I was crying. I was intensely emotional myself. And as I get down to that cemetery, I had looked off to the side of the road. There was this sort of a a grassy driveway that led down from that cemetery and led out to the road to Cook Road. And standing along the side of Cook Road at the end of that driveway was a man standing perfectly still. And he had his arms by his side. And he had a dark blue uniform on. And he had something white wrapped around his head that, to me, growing up on Little Orphan Annie and stuff, I, I took him to, to be a turban. And I'm I'm looking at this guy. At, I'm the only car on the road. Uh, there are no streetlights out there. It's very dark. So my headlights were hitting this guy as I'm approaching him. And I'm thinking, what is this idiot doing out here hitchhiking <laughs> at this time of night? Now... As soon as I said it, I I thought to myself, nobody's ever hitchhiked along this road. There's really not a shoulder. There's no sidewalks down the side. It just goes straight into a ditch on either side. So nobody really walks up and down this road at all. I don't think I've ever once seen somebody walking down that road. So it hit me that this was something strange. This was not normal. And he had his head kind of cocked to one side and is looking straight at my headlights on my car coming at him. And as soon as I got past him, I leaned over to where I could get a good vantage point in my to look at my rearview mirror in just the right angle to see that spot along the side of the road. And there was nothing there. So I... A short ways, very short ways down the road, If um, the road ends, Cook Road ends, and it ends at Ballard Street. And I made a quick U-turn right there, a legal U-turn, in the middle of the intersection and went back up the road. And straight to that spot again, there was nobody standing there, nobody walking off into the fields. I looked all around. The first thing I did, of course, was called my father. And I said, Daddy, I think I just saw a ghost. So I start telling him a little bit about it. And he said, you need to look online because it sounds like you saw a Union soldier with a head wound. And I said, a head wound? And I said, you know, but this looked more like a a bulky hat, like a knit cap. And he said, the fabric, they would wrap it again and again and again and again and around the top of the head. And he said, the, the way you described the uniform, it was this dark blue with the single row of gold buttons down the front. He said, look online and you'll find what, what you were seeing. And sure enough, it looked to be a Union infantryman's uniform. Now, another strange thing is we called it the Confederate Cemetery. I assumed all my life that there was only Confederates buried there. But then my father said, no, and he said, no, honey, there's Union soldiers that are buried there as well. And so this was sort of a strange occurrence for me because not only did all of that depression and anxiety and everything, this crying that I was feeling at the moment, Instantly went away the second I saw this guy on the side of the road, because then it's like, wait, wait, wait a minute! Distracted here <laughs> by a ghost on the road, but it was also this this event that opened up a doorway for me. And I said, I've got to find out more about this sort of stuff. I want to join a paranormal investigation group. I want to go out there and figure out what's going on. I happened to get into this group with Jeff. And he's, like I said, a a Christian, very strict Christian, raised as a Christian. And it seems now, in retrospect, that God has started to sort of use the paranormal and our interest in the paranormal to help other people. And now we've become sort of spiritual counselors, in a sense, to people whose lives are just in chaos and they're— Having all of these problems in their lives, and we try to help them now find a little bit of a better course, and a little bit of a better path through for their lives. So from that one instance of seeing the soldier by the side of the road, and um, having seen something at that exact spot once before when I was about sixteen, um, this blue lightning ball in the, the in the car with me uh, between me, I was the passenger in the car. And the guy who was in the driver's seat, it was at that exact spot we had passed on Christmas Eve, driving down to Yorktown, that this blue lightning ball had occurred inside the car between the two of us. So having had those two instances and looking at it and saying, okay, this, this, there's a reason for this. So that's what got me into the paranormal and what's led me down the path that I'm on now.
0: Well, that's just an awesome story, especially happy ending. Yes. And um, in Jungian terms, that was a synchronicity. Right. Like a series of meaningful, quote-unquote, coincidences, coincidences, but they're meaningful. Exactly. And that it pulled you out of a stulting stultifying is that a word like a stifling yeah. relationship into a loving one where you know you said you lacked confidence i feel like right. watching you and your videos and our conversation today i feel like you're a very confident woman yes so yes how incredible that's yeah. just awesome yeah it's changed me a hundred percent
1: back you know complete different direction from what i was
0: now i've do you find um when people tell you guys about ghost experiences that they um do they have a lot of visuals because i've never had a visual and I'm pretty scared of having a visual. Yeah, I've met people who have had visuals. The guy that I talked to on um, about Sleepy Hollow, he his only ghost experience was a full visual. Yeah, um, that blows me away. I don't know how I would handle a seeing a yeah. form. Do you find um, with how, if you can just make a guesstimate? <clears throat> excuse mm-hmm. me, a guesstimate of the percentages of people that come to you with paranormal ex- activity. Mm-hmm. How many have these visuals? I would say almost 100%.
1: Really? Wow. Yeah. Most of the time, people, it will start out with activity like an object that they set down and they come back to it a few minutes later and it's gone. And they don't know what happened to it. Hmm. Um, they, They hear voices, sometimes even hear their own name called. They'll smell strange smells. They have strange occurrences, things being moved. And um, eventually, it'll escalate to the point where they see something that they can't explain. So, the, so it seems for people that they it builds up. There is an escalation, usually, mm. of it. It's always some small little things throughout the house first, and then it's, bam, there's this dark figure walking through your house. Mm. So, um, even in my own home that I mentioned, I believe, was haunted, mm-hmm. um, I, I knew from the second I walked in there that there was something in there. And... But it was always an escalation. There was um, lights that would turn on by themselves, and and strange noises back in the back room, and things of that nature. And then one day, one morning, I'm getting ready for work, and I'm putting my makeup on, and something comes and catches my eye, and I turn and look at it, and it's this full dark figure, um, probably about six foot three, six foot four. Just walked past and disappeared into the wall of the living room. Mm. And I was like, What the? A male? (laughs) I don't know. Mm. I have no idea because it wasn't detailed enough to be Mm. able to to, to distinguish what the gender was, Mm. but it was detailed enough to where you could see this was something with a head and shoulders Mm. and regular bodily form. And um, we joke about it being the ghost lady. You know, we don't have any idea whether it's a man or a woman. But um, whatever it is, it doesn't seem to care about
0: Jeff because whenever the activity occurs in the house, he's always gone. Okay, my girlfriend keeps saying our place has something going on. We, our cabin is built on the foundation of, uh, I guess, post-slavery where we live. Yes. A lot of the African-Americans built their little homesteads, and right. I think our cabin is an old African-American house could be and um well i think it actually is yeah um uh so my girlfriend has a feeling it doesn't happen when i'm around but whenever i'm gone because i don't feel like our house has anything there yeah she says she feels like there's a man there and he's not bad or good mm-hmm. but he's just kind of grumpy and she just feels this presence of this guy and i'm always like really i mean i certainly yeah. lights the lights do all sorts of crazy stuff at our place but um yeah but that's easily attributed to electrical be, work right old right. electrical work um, so I guess, so we probably got we they close this library closes in forty five minutes, so maybe we do another half an hour okay. If that's okay, sure. I would love to hear about some more of the well, I think first we could do you started to talk about um messages, and mm-hmm. that to me is extremely interesting. Do any examples? I'll tell you one real quick, mm-hmm. but do any examples come up to you of? Messages that needed to come across. So here's an example I've got really quick that mm-hmm. I don't think I've told on the podcast. But um, my my grandparents were from Belgium. Yes, and um, they had an incredible little farmhouse in Belgium in a in a river valley. And I didn't have much of a relationship to them because they were French speaking, and I never uh, really learned how to speak. Right. So I would just listen. But um, you know, my relationship to them was quite distanced. Yes, when they died, um, um, I was like 17, 18 um so after they died you know i went to belgium for the funeral i came back i inherited a handful of of like their old prints and artwork Mm. and i they're beautiful they're like old antique stuff and i started hanging that in my bedroom yeah then i started having all these dreams and Mm. i was back in their house but now the house is haunted and i always loved this house i Mm. always say my relationship was to the house because it was so beautiful it's an old stone house um Every room had different wallpapers. Mm-hmm. There was like a marble floor checkered, checkered, black and white marble oh, wow. on the floor. Um, you know, it wasn't enormous, but it was just very beautiful and old. Yeah. Um, so um, so, yeah, I started having these nightmares where I'm in the house and it's haunted. And um, the nightmares kept progressing where I'm getting closer and closer to the salon which is where all the adults would sit. Yes. My grandparents would be smoking cigarettes and they'd be talking and I'd be sitting in this smoky room listening to my to the adults speak in French. And as I'm approaching the salon, it the hunt, this isn't a dream. Mm-hmm. This is in dreams and nightmares. As I'm approaching the salon, it's getting more and more dread is rising. I'm getting more and more terrified until I mm. finally look in and it's like my dead grandmother or my dead grandfather standing there as a corpse in clothing. And... Um, the nightmares kept escalating till I had one where I was in front of my grandfather's office. The door is open. I'm, I'm with my mother and you know, the kids were not allowed in his office. He had a shotgun behind the door. Um, you know, it's my, my grandfather was a heart surgeon. So that's where all this paperwork is and whatnot in the, in the nightmares. I'm standing in front of his office I'm with my mother and like a poltergeist, she gets pulled into the room and the door slams shut. Oh wow! And then I have nightmares where my grandfather is pressed up against my nose, dead, screaming like. Wah! Oh, geez. and I w- I wake up and I'm like, uh, wow! I'm, I'm like in my early 20s and I'm like, and I call my mom and I say, hey, I know this is so weird. She's she now she's very much into herbalism, yes. but she's much more. She had an IT career. She's very of a rational mindset. Oh yeah, she's not too spiritually minded. Yeah. Um, I said, hey, mom, I know this is weird. You know, this is not what our normal communication is like. But turns out that her two siblings, her two brothers, they live in Belgium. My mom lives here. Her sister lives here. Mm-hmm. None of them wanted to, to the property after my grandparents died. Oh. And they were all kind of misleading my grandparents, saying, yes, oh. yes, yes, we'll take the house, we'll take the house. Right. None of them actually had that intent. And I said to my mom, hey, I think— Pepe is my grandfather. Mm. Is really mad at you guys for lying. Yes, and could be. the nightmare stopped.
1: Oh. and then I
0: started having dreams where the house was being renovated and light was coming oh. into the house.
1: Oh, huh. that's fascinating. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, he was trying to get his message across. Yeah, it may not have been exactly as you would think and as you would hope. You know, we always wish that we could get some full paragraph worth of speech from a from a ghost and be able to discern exactly what it is that they want, but it never happens like that. It's always bits and pieces, and it's like dropping pieces of a puzzle on a table, and you're taking them and trying to put them together and see if they fit in some certain mm. way, and sometimes they fit together, and you can figure out maybe this is what they want. Other times it's like oh, I don't know what the hell
0: this means, you know. When you walk away, scratching your head. But do you? Yeah. Do you have any examples of some people who you went to investigate and then somehow a meaningful message was relayed that seemed to have an, a healing or a closing of that chapter, or you know, a clearing?
1: You know, I've been trying to think of what of a good example of that, and I feel like there have been a few times, but I can't think of one right off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Uh, we've had so many investigations that mm. we've done. We're
0: probably one of the most active um, groups in, in the state of Virginia. Well, let me hear a little bit about that well, as we talk for like the next 20 minutes or so. Let, yeah. Let's hear a little bit about that.
1: Well, um, What we, do you guys do? It's just about every other weekend as mm. childcare allows, and sometimes it got to the point where it was three in a weekend. And we would go like that for years. What do you mean, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night? Yeah, it would be usually Friday night, one Friday night, and then two Saturday night. And um, we, we went like that for a long time because we were so busy. And people would call us from all over the state. We've gotten calls from West Virginia, from Ohio. We've gotten calls from Florida. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there who want help. But a lot of paranormal groups are either, like I said, into more of the commercial locations, they're not into the residentials, or they're not not really responsive and, and you can leave a phone message for them, a voicemail, and they don't ever respond, don't ever call you back. Um so they're kind of not very dependable in some sense. So you guys are
0: just doing this out of your own passion, paying for your own yes. hotels, et cetera, yeah. et cetera.
1: Yeah, we travel off of our own money. Um we Jeff uh, fortunately uh runs Yorktown Ghost Walks now. He oh, has cool. this evening kind of gig where um he runs ghost tours down Super there. Super cool. And that pays for things like um gas and mm. hotel rooms and Campsites, because we do a lot of camping now. And uh, do you guys
0: pull all nighters when you're doing it?
1: Yeah, sometimes we do pull all nighters, but it really kind of depends on the location and the clients. Sometimes the clients are kind of like you—you you can start to read them, and they really want you gone. They're like getting tired, and they're mm. starting to kind of keel over on the sofa. Mm. Other times, they are like, "Yeah, have at it all night long. You know, whatever you want to do." and um, and we'll stay all night sometimes, even throw a cot out, and whoever wants to get mm. you know sleep on the cot can it's go kind and of sleep. reminds me
0: of my film work days when when I would do filmmaking in New York, you would pull all nighters and you know, yes. some people are taking a nap in that corner.
1: Yeah, yeah, you sleep when you can and, you know,
0: but if you sleep, you miss something, so. <laughs> now, I really like, I appreciate so much, I didn't expect this, and I didn't expect it when I talked to the guy about cryptids, but mm-hmm. this healing component that you're, you, you guys, the cryptid guy, basically people are contacting him because they have no one else to talk about one of the, some of the weirdest experiences of people's entire right. lives. Even just to be able to get that off your shoulders yes. and not be said, oh, you're crazy, oh, you're schizophrenic, blah, blah, yes. you know, like, someone to listen to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that in itself is beautiful. So yeah. it's so cool what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, because we, we, oftentimes people do just want to call up and they want to talk to us about something. They want to get our take on it. And we'll sit there for sometimes hours in the evening and talk to people just because they're too far away for us to travel out to. They can't find another group to come investigate, but they just want some sort of um, advice or some sort of course of action to take with stuff. And, and sometimes we can tell them, well, you know, that orb that you see on your photograph is probably not a spirit you know Mm. (laughs) you know it could just be a bug it could be a water particle in the air um, but you mean like the
0: glowing balls on people's pictures and stuff? yeah
1: the glowing balls are a big big thing among the paranormal community Um, everybody has their own take on what they are but when you look into digital photography it basically explains exactly what they are and it's not anything of the paranormal nature it's
0: dust lighting up or something
1: yes yeah it's it's As digital cameras have become smaller and smaller and smaller, the proximity of the flash to the lens has gotten smaller. They're closer together. The closer together those two elements are on a camera, the more likely you are to get what they call these orbs or these Hmm. artifacts in the digital photography. Hmm. And what it is is a speck of dust or a water particle or even bugs will illuminate Hmm. like that off of the flash and the water particles and the dust that you see, even though it looks like they're way off down the road or, or a good ways away from you, the, the dust particle or the water particle is actually very close to the lens. And the the light is reflect, refracting off of it in such a way that it illuminates it and causes it to have the, to appear sort of like a a white, translucent Mm. uh, ball. Sometimes they look like they have a bit of a nucleus in the center of Mm. them. Sometimes they look like they are self-illuminated, like they're glowing. Um, Now, that's not to say that orbs are not ever spiritual, because I've seen one with the naked eye, and it was this ball, basketball-sized ball of light that flew through my bedroom one night mm. <laughs> and, you know, f- disappeared into the head of the bed up, up above me as mm. I'm trying to go to sleep. So, I know <sighs> that they exist and that it is of a spiritual nature, uh, especially given everything that was happening in my house at that time. But, um, you know, most of the time the people, the ones that people see, it's very hard to discern when you're looking at it whether or not it's actually a bug or whether it's some sort of, you know, um, dust or, mm. or what, whether it's something of a spiritual nature. Really, sometimes there's no way to tell. Mm. So, but we have had people, one woman had pictures of bugs in her living room and claimed that there was fairies living in her sofa. She swore to it. And you would try to tell her, no, ma'am, this is this is just digital photography. It's probably a mosquito about this size. That when you photograph it, it looks gigantic, you know. And the way it illuminates, you can see its wings and wow. it's white and glowing <laughs> and it's <laughs> ethereal. Yeah, it's you know oh, when you look wow. at it, it's like wow, that's amazing. But it's a bug. So
0: wow, yeah,
1: kind of a okay. Downer what's bug.
0: the weirdest
1: thing you guys would come across? There was a woman who called us up and wanted us to come up and investigate her house and she <laughs> this is kind of comical at the same time she um, claimed that she was having a relationship with the spirit that she wanted to continue having a relationship with. So we said, yeah, certainly we'll look at the calendar and we'll get back to you and see when we can, you know, get together. Um, a few days later, some guy out of the blue calls us up and uh, says, um, I I hear you're coming up here uh, to investigate, and we didn't really know who he was. And, and and Jeff says, Yeah, you know where where is this? And he said the name of a city that they were living in. And and Jeff thought back and said, Are you talking about this this woman? Um, you know. And he says, Yeah, you're coming to investigate the babies, right? And Jeff said, What babies? You know, <laughs> no idea. Evidently, she had been playing with an Ouija board and believed that she had been communicating with the spirit of the dead actor, Bill Paxton. This was the guy from the movie Twister, um, Apollo 13, I think it was. Um, Seeing Ghostbusters? No, he wasn't in Ghostbusters. He was just... In some random movies here and there, and then uh, he ended up passing away, something cardiac, a number of years ago. She had this thing for him. We're not exactly sure why, uh, but she had this thing for him and wanted to communicate it with his spirit. So she pulled out the switchboard and believed that she was having a relationship. Now, to take it a step further... She believed she was also having a physical relationship with this gentleman. She said that um, she would, you know, engage in sexual activity with this gentleman, with and the spirit, with the spirit, with Bill Paxton. That um, and she would make all of these claims about. Like at one point, she pulls out uh, a pair of underwear. And starts dangling it by her thumb and forefinger, and starts using it in the in the way that people might use a pendulum, and says, "This is his favorite pair of underwear. He'll always answer my questions <laughs> with this underwear." And we, of course, thought, "Okay, you know,
0: <laughs> this is a little bit strange." Well, it's definitely the weirdest thing you could possibly say.
1: Yeah, that was it. Was it was, Wait, but who the hell is it? Who called you? It was her but she has this man that is a friend of hers who lives nearby and for some reason they're not girlfriend and boyfriend but they sort of act like it like if you didn't hear the story about her having this physical relationship with the spirit of Bill Paxton you would think she was with this gentleman but evidently she he, she had told him about this activity
0: and he, he believed yours
1: up. it he believed it 100% and he would come in and talk to her. She, he would come in and watch her TV, and she would go off down the, down the hallway into the bedroom and have sex with Bill Paxton and then come back out. And so at one point in the investigation, not really realizing that all of this physical activity was occurring with her in this supposed spirit, she says, well, do you want to go back in the bedroom because that seems to be where he's the most active? So we're like, sure, whatever works, right? Right. We go back there. She proceeds to get up on the bed on all fours and act like she's in the course of having sex with Bill Paxton, fully clothed, mind you. But I'm standing there with the spirit box, not really sure what to say, you know, in awe, in shock, because I'd never seen anything or or knew of anybody acting like that before. And here she is with The gentleman that's her friend that lives down the street, he's just kind of leaning over on the dresser watching. And Jeff and I and this other guy that was in our group at the time, we're all standing there. The other guy's trying his best not to bust out laughing. And all of this is on video. We've got all of this. She wanted us to release this video, this entire video of her doing all of this.
0: Oh, my God. But why did the guy say babies?
1: Because she claimed that she was pregnant with Bill Paxton's ghost babies, that they were twins. And while we were sitting there, she decided to pull out the Ouija board and start messing with it. So Jeff says, What are the names of the baby? What ask Bill Paxton what he wants the name of the babies to be. So she starts working the planchette across the board. And the first one was Bill. Of course, Bill Jr., <laughs> you know, what else would it be? One of the babies was supposed to be named Bill. The second name was Nix, N I X. Hmm. And immediately something light went off in my head. And I leaned over to the other investigator, David, and I said, Look that up, Google that. That's not like that's a demonic name or mm. something that I'm recalling from mythology or something. Mm. So, it just so happened that the town she lived in was right there on on the water, on the Chesapeake Bay. And, um, and supposedly, Nix is the name given to some sort of a water spirit that is mm. able to impregnate people, to have <laughs> sexual relations with people and impregnate them. And so, we thought, like, what the hell is going on here? Like, is she nuts? Is she... Or is this real? Right. Is she so impressionable? Yeah, because some people are so impressionable that if they get an idea in their head, they can run with it. And it just like sticks there and they believe everything that occurs. And this goes
0: back to the idea of the demonic. Yes. That they can fill her up with all these wacky ideas, but there is something weird going on. Right. Oh, my God. Because, you know, throughout many mythologies, Mm -hmm. the succubus and the incubus are – sexual poltergeist. I don't know what you want to call him, a sexual demon. Right. And I, um, in a period of my life where I was um, wild and single in New York City, um, like I got entangled with a few girls that were really into some dark stuff. Yes. And um, I'm open to any interpretation of this. It could have been parts of myself that were coming online, but she even told me about um, incubus, succubus stuff, mm-hmm. and I had experiences. Yeah. I mean, I would wake up feeling like something is crawling all over me, right? And yes. in the middle of the night, and immediately, I'm th- she's in my head, yeah. And um, she would have, a powers to know what I'm doing at five in the morning. You know, mm. anytime I'm doing something that she might not like, yeah, my cell phone would go off. What are you doing? And this is a person huh. I had, you know. I, I had no, it's not a girlfriend. Yeah. Like I had like a one night experience. One night stand. And then she of. has this strange power of vision over me. Yeah. Very yeah, scary. So and and she, I would wake dark. up with the scariest feelings.
1: Yeah. That's something dark. Yeah. Attached
0: to her, mm. probably from some of her previous stuff. But yes. Yeah. And in low light, mm-hmm. I said, like looking at her face in low light. I mm. literally thought I'm looking at the face of a demon. Yeah. Her face, like a very Ooh. attractive woman and yeah. in low light. It was like a terrifying, like gargoyle face. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so anyways. Nice. <laughs> um, well, we got about 10 minutes left. I mean, do you want to just tell about, um, uh, I guess, how people, you know, you guys... You guys do a really good job with social media and with YouTube. Do you want to just talk a little bit how people can check out what you guys do?
1: Yeah, we're pretty much all over the place. I mean, um, you know, we are. We have YouTube. We have um, a lot of different videos that we put on YouTube. We do different series. We do uh, one that's more of the Virginia Paranormal Case Files is what we call it. And that's more of the serious investigation stuff. Uh, we also have one that's called Gas, Grub and Ghosts. And it's basically a vlog of our weekends that we go away on these investigations. And we talk about the restaurants we hit, the things that we eat. We talk about um, a little bit of everything. The They get to see a little bit of the investigations and a little bit of the activity as far as the paranormal. But the majority of it is just our our travels. Um, we have also started another one called um, Expedition Lalakum that's more of the cryptid side of things, mm. and we go out trying to find evidence of Bigfoot or trying to find evidence of the dog, man, and things of that mm. nature because we believe things like that do exist, and that's sort of become a really popular thing nowadays. Um, plus, we love camping and love being in the outdoors. I mean, we'd live out there in nature 24-7 if we could. Uh but um we so we have those different series that you can see. So it kind of gives everybody uh, a taste. You know, the people that like the more serious stuff can watch the one series. Mm. The people that like the more lighthearted stuff. Can see the gas grubbing ghosts. Um, we also, uh, of course, we're all over Facebook, Instagram. It's Virginia um,
0: Vir- paranormal. Yes,
1: ghost. yeah, and different things, different places. Basically, if you Google on YouTube, Virginia paranormal investigations, we're the only thing that's going to come up. So awesome, and you'll see our little purple ghost um, logo mm-hmm. on there. And, um, like I say, Facebook, Instagram, I think uh, we're not on Twitter much. We don't really understand Twitter a whole lot. I don't either. Uh, it's
0: confusing. And <laughs> I thought that was something from, like, 15 years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah. still being used. It is. Okay, so with the last few minutes that we're allowed to be here in this library, because we're approaching closing time, I had something that popped in my head that I thought would be awesome to mm-hmm. ask to close it up. I know you said you guys are very interested in the residential. Yes. But because you guys are – one of one of or the main paranormal people in virginia like could we go down to like a little bit of a list for the next five ten minutes mm-hmm. just maybe about what are some like historical hot spots for people in v- who are living in virginia or traveling through virginia that they like what are some haunted hot spots that maybe you guys have gone to and agree are haunted yes. or just purported Well, I could really
1: go on for the next day and a half um, with all of the places in Virginia because it's such a historical and an an old location. And anytime you have that much history, um, you always find a lot of ghosts. But the ones that we grew up with and the ones that we know the best are a place called Old House Woods Mm. that is up in Matthews County, um, northeast of Gloucester, in the little town of Diggs. And it sits right along the Chesapeake Bay and this is a huge tract of very dense um, woods, so dense, in fact, that it's difficult to actually navigate them on foot. And there are stories that go back 200 years uh-huh. of this place. Um, not just, there's there's a story of buried treasure back in the woods there. People have gone out in search of this treasure and disappeared, never been seen again. Really? Yes. There's headless, two headless dogs that they describe that sound to me like they're probably um, mastiffs
0: hmm. that
1: run down the
0: beach toward you if you're out on the beach at night. See, I'm so and, interested in that right now. I've been so interested in devil dogs and yes. whatnot. And there's um, English there's an English version called Black Shuck, but there's a headless mm. version in parts of hmm. Great Britain. And so it's so fascinating that yes. you've got this headless dog.
1: Yeah, there's um, pirate ships that have been seen out on the creeks out there. Um, wait, one wait, wait, of them. You mean people seeing a ghost pirate ship? Yes. Yeah, ghost <laughs> pirate ships. Yeah. The story is that some pirates came in and buried their treasure deep in the woods, and they went back out to sea and ended up being killed mm. out at sea. Um, and perhaps even in a storm because there's something about storm activity that causes a lot of paranormal uh, uh, things to kick up in that area. Mm. Um, and now they come back and they guard, basically guard their treasure. So anybody, I love treasure lore. Yes, I do too. Yeah. So that kind of thing is fascinating. Um, so there's this really intensely haunted tract of woods. There's a place called Crawford Road that is a road that goes from one county to another nearby here. And it crosses underneath one of the um, colonial parkway like the tour roads through Yorktown. And supposedly at night um, there is a lot of activity surrounding that, that one overpass. Mm. And um, it's all graffitied all the way down the sides of it. Um, you're supposed to be able to park under there. They say if you turn off your car, you see this dark figure. You won't be able to turn the, the headlights back on. Um, there's a figure with red eyes. There's all this activity. A bride supposedly hung herself from the bridge, and you can see her dangling at certain times. That's one place we have seen some things that were things that I definitely could not explain with natural the natural science of things. Um, so that's a very, very cool. haunted road. Well, Jeff wrote a book called The Ghost of Yorktown. Oh cool. And um he in in the process of doing is the Is that research, available on your website? It is. It's available cool. I believe on the website. It's also available on Amazon. Cool. Um and it was um it was published published a few years ago. But um, in trying to do the research and get a, gather the photographs of, of that we wanted for this book, we went down to Crawford Road late one night, and he had one of those trucks, pickup truck that had an extended cab. It wasn't large enough for people to sit in the back seat. It had the two back seats that were turned inward towards each other, <clears throat> excuse me towards each other, and um, but there was still this little window behind the driver's side window. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there looking at him, and he stops about maybe 20 or 30 yards away from the bridge. And he has his camera, and he's leaning out the open window. And you can see the trees, the tree line illuminated by the moonlight on the far side of him. And um, he's taking pictures out the window of this bridge up ahead of us. And um, all of a sudden... He stops and jerks the camera in and looks back like this, like he'd seen or heard something at the same time he did that. something passed in front of that back window because I just happened to be looking at him, passed in front of that black win- that wind that went back window and blocked out all of the moonlight that you could see hitting those trees, so I thought he had seen what I saw. Mm. And he steps on the accelerator and rockets down the road and gets a little ways down and turns around. And I, I'm like, what did you see? What did you see? He said, it wasn't what I saw. He said, it was what I heard. He had been leaning out taking the picture. Mm. And all of a sudden, he started hearing heavy footsteps in the, on the gravel road. Um, on the, like on the sides of the road but he said it sounded like they were coming towards the truck oh which is what God. freaked him out Hell yeah, and sent him down the road because there is rumors of gang activity and things mm. like that down the road so we were a little more afraid I guess when he rocketed off down the road he was a little more concerned about putting distance between he and somebody that might be out there to mug us mm. but got down the road turned around and came back and there was of course nothing there nobody there Uh, But I told him what I had seen. So when we got back to his house that night, I said, just to experiment, get out of the truck and stand on the far side of that window. Stand outside in front of that window. And I want to see if you can block out that entire window. Well, he's a good six foot. And he got out there and I could still see his shoulders and the form of his – the bottom of his chin and his jawline. Right, you know, in that window. So whatever it was, had to have been at least about six inches taller than he was. Mm. And that's a pretty big person to be able to completely block out the window. Mm. So um, Ragged Island is another place that oh, I, well, I know told you, you on my
0: way here. Yes, I told you that I saw your video where you guys are there. Yeah. And I went on my way here. It's a WMA. You yeah. guys said in the video Yes. Um, like I hunt in WMAs where I live. Oh, okay. But you yeah. You said um, in your video that someone had committed suicide there, and there was a murder over there. Yes. So I'm. It's kind of a spooky day today. It's been raining, and but anyways, uh, I went to go check it out. I haven't had a ghost experience in years, and um, yeah, I just came around a corner, and like I texted you, and I'm going to put the audio in the intro of this podcast. But mm-hmm. I felt what I have also felt during all my other ghost experiences, which yes. is like you just hit. A wall, a wall of energy, yeah, and it's just, um, you know, my leg hairs kind of stood up, my arm hairs stood up. You know, I don't feel in danger, mm-hmm. but I just feel like well, something. Yes. I just got it's like it, it would be like saying, you know, it's just I don't know how to describe it, but it's unmistakable, yeah, it's unmistakable. I know exactly I, how something you feel. has just happened, something yes. is happening right now, yeah, and I just kind of said out loud, Hey, is it okay to keep walking around here? Yeah, seemed okay, but yeah, I heard someone was two kids were killed back there.
1: Yeah, it was part of the Colonial Parkway murders back in the uh late 80s yeah, that I was occurred. Reading about it. Yes. And um and two of the kids were down there, they were parked, they believe they were parked in uh the the young boy's truck and um somebody came up on them and got them out of the car and we believe marched them down this mile-long path through the dense um mm. uh, marshlands. Out to the beach, um, shot them execution style and left them laying on the beach. They're dead. And um, they they believe to this day that it could have been somebody who was impersonating a police officer, Mm. perhaps even two people impersonating a police officer. We did something called paranormal shakedown. This was another one of those those sort of uh, series that we did on YouTube. And this is something that fascinated us. Jeff got this idea that wherever there is a murder that occurs or some sort of person disappears, perhaps there are spirits that inhabit that area. And by going out and communicating with these spirits, maybe we can find out more about and try to solve this cold case. So we chose the Colonial Parkway murders to do. We went to, Four or five different locations where that were associated with it, and got activity and got speech and got answers through the whole entire thing that just blew us away. So, um, and as a matter of fact, in two of the different locations, one of them being Ragged Island, they said police officer, or they said police, or they said cop. Um, one one place it said... It in was your a, recordings, you can hear that. In the in the recordings. One place it said burgundy car, a mm-hmm. burgundy car. And the other place it said something like purple and white, which you know purple can appear burgundy. Burgundy can appear purple, maroon,
0: that sort of shade. So, oh, my God. Yeah, so it was fascinating. <gasps> we got 10 minutes. She just, we were told 10 minutes, just super quickly, last uh-huh. minute, because I could talk to you for another seven hours. I know. <laughs> um, so... I, I heard in that video you you even said and it seemed pretty serious. I didn't bring my my gun tonight. No, so yeah. so I didn't I, take the gun. So I forgot it. <laughs> so obviously you guys are in some. I mean, it's kind of shady over there. Yes. So obviously if you guys are doing stuff in the middle of the night, I yeah. mean I'm assuming you got you guys ha- have to be cautious that yeah. you're not in some drug or gang area. And then have you yeah. ever had the cops come up on you?
1: Yeah. um, Well, we had to call the cops on one investigation. Um, That was a woman who was uh, pretending to be possessed. Oh, no. And she was flailing around, screaming and yelling, talking about, like, you know, uh, sexually abusing her child. Oh, no. Claiming that she was a demon the whole time, mind you. Oh, my God. But at one point, she took the charging cord from her cell phone and wrapped it around her neck um for this hour i'm dousing this woman with holy water saying every prayer in the book saying everything i can possibly think of and nothing seemed to have any effect on this woman and so jeff had taken the husband out the door out the front door and was telling him look she's talking about things that are criminal you know you, you need, need to, to con- you need to contact the police so he convinced the husband to call the police So I'm standing in there with a bottle of holy water in one hand, and um, probably looking quite frazzled, and the St. Christopher Medal around the other hand, and here comes the Henrico Police Department outside of Richmond. Henrico Police Department through the door, kind of look at me, and then look at her, and they said, what's going on today, ma'am? And the funny thing was that the moment that the police came through the door, she snapped out of it. She wasn't any longer in this demonic trance anymore and she said they're they're exercising me and he said do you
0: want to go talk to somebody about that oh my i i'm assuming every <laughs> once in a while you get tangled up with some real uh yes. characters they put her in the
1: back of the car and took her off to um probably the mental institution for mm. about 5 or 6
0: days for a psychological evaluation And uh, well, we got to end. Yes, incredible way to end. Yeah, man, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. And I hope I can talk to you guys more in the future. Absolutely, and um, maybe some other people on the team. This has been amazing, and uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank you.